Welcome to another episode of Most Important Podcast. This week, joining me in the studio, the wonderfully talented writer, author, cultural commentator, Candice Carty-Williams. I first met Candice a while ago uh, when she was working in a nine-to-five. Since then, her world has gone crazy and she's been allowed to live out the creative dreams that filled her head. And I'm so pleased to see someone who is just being rewarded for all their brilliance. So let's get into it. Author of the incredible book, Queenie, now available in paperback. Let's hear from Candice Carty-Williams on Most Important. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Um, The reason you're on, Mm -hmm. for me, is because I think you're important. (laughs) I genuinely (laughs) do. I genuinely do. I think you occupy a space which is vital right now because I think you're articulate and smart and of 2020. Thank you. That's very kind of you. And when I read your tweets, when I see your Instagrams, when I read the articles, I feel like this is the stuff we should be talking about and this is the energy and the vibe we should have. So I'm delighted you're here. Well, I'll take that back with me. Good. Not everyone thinks I'm important. Whoa. I know. I'll, I know. Can I'll, you believe it? I'll argue with people. <laughs> um, but I want to start way back in time. Yes. Okay. I'd like to ask you what your most important memory is. Most important memory. That is a hard one. Okay, I'm going to say... I'm going to say... What am I going to say? I'm going to... Oh, Jesus. Okay, no, do you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say being in Brixton Market, because I remember it so often, being in Brixton Market when I was like 10 years old with my mum and stepdad at the time. And we were doing like... So Friday shopping was like Tesco... And then Saturday shopping was Brixton Market. And I remember just looking around and being like, whoa, this is amazing. Because it has like such a vibe. Because I, I grew up in Streatham, then Lewisham. But we'd always go back to Brixton for like food shopping. Like our food shopping. And that was an amazing thing. And I'd always be allowed to go to the Caribbean place and get like one thing. And usually it was a patty. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's my most important. And do you get to go back now? Have you still got time in your life to go and do... Like devoted food shopping. Well, I live in I live in Herne Hill, so I live down the road, and I do have time. I spend a lot of time walking around Brixton Market actually, but it's very different. Uh, so it feels really, it feels really weird, and it feels I feel like a bit of a stranger. And sometimes, if I'm not in the right headspace, I'm like, ah, people are like looking, and like people are like, why is she here? Because it's like it's a, just a different demographic entirely. Yeah. Um, and I find that kind of, I find it kind of hard. But on the days when I'm like feeling a bit like bullshy. I'm like, no, this is my space and I've always been here. But there are other days I'm like, you know. Yeah, my my experience of Brixton is so wildly off to the actual real Brixton. So I grew up in Hertfordshire and all the kids I grew up with were all into like indie music and rock music. So Mm. the first time I ever went to Brixton, Brixton Mm. was for the Academy, Ah. was to see Green Day. Wow. So you didn't go to the market and actually you didn't see Brixton. You no. saw a venue that could have been anywhere. You it saw just, Green Day. I it, saw Sean Paul. Uh, that was my first. That was my. That maybe that's my most important moment. Seeing Sean Paul Brixton in Brixton. Again. Yeah. That would have been hot. It was amazing. I had a panic attack because I was so overwhelmed. Were you? Just yeah. excitement. Yeah. Yeah. Genuinely. And there was like a big crowd, and I was like, "Whoa, whoa!" Because it's like my first gig. Yeah. And so I was like, "What is this? What is this? Mean? Oh my god! We're in the middle of people, but also Sean Paul's right in front of me." And I had a panic attack. I had to go and stand on the side. It was annoying. It was as bad. That was fun. Um, you've sort of you've you've jumped ahead a little bit because you've already talked about a place. But would Brixton 
count as your most important place or is there somewhere else that you think is the place that's most important to you? Uh, no, I would say Lewisham is most important to me. Um, and I think that is because I was at, I was at a, a party or something like a year ago and uh, someone was telling me where they grew up and I was like, where do you think I grew up? And he was like, you grew up in Lewisham, innit? And I was like, yes, I did. And I was like, I'm very glad you can tell that I'm a blue borough girl through and through. Um, but I grew, so I, the, my most formative years were in Lewisham. And so like, I remember like being like a teenager and spending my time in Lewisham and then leaving there when I was like, like 17, I don't know, I can't remember. I left there like when I was like, like round up before I was 20, but Lewisham was always for me. I love it so much. And I was there yesterday to do an event in the library and when we're driving there, nothing really has changed. Oh, that's cool. So like cool. literally like Carpet Corner is still there. Like all of the like old like fish and chip places are still there and it's absolutely amazing because I'm so nostalgic all the time, yeah. like, every day of my life. And so like when you can go back to somewhere and you recognise it, you're like, okay, this is part of my density and it's still here. Yeah. So like I still feel grounded. So Lewisham. Carpet Corner still Carpet being there as well. Carpet Corner is amazing and I didn't, didn't even go in there so it's, but it's part of my and like there's like an old youth centre that I used to go to and that's still there and I was like that's amazing because like you hear about so many spaces getting closed down yeah. and so I was like St Mary's Centre still there going strong opposite yeah. carpet corner <laughs> you sort of expect to roll past there and it to be a Starbucks yeah, or to absolutely. be like you know here's a yeah. Whole Foods or something well like the gym there was like Lewisham Gym which was amazing that's gone and I was like wait 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 what what and I was like oh that's really sad I don't even know what the new building it's like this really swanky new building yeah it's probably got like a fitness first or something not even that I don't even know if it's a gym oh really it's even sadder than that oh it's just like mad workspace or something I think it's a workspace yeah probably mm. um, the next thing on the list is your most important possession oh I'm gonna have to say my laptop just because I have to. That's where I generate my work. Um, but I also, have, what else have I got? I've got like, can I say my bed just because I like <laughs> sleeping like that? <laughs> but okay, no, I'm gonna say my the thing that like if it if it left my life, I mean, and and I would be like, can I swear? Yeah. If I left my life, and I would be fucked. It would be my laptop because I have to do my work. But I still want to say my bed just because like, I spend so much time just sleeping and just being like, the world, no. So yeah, I'm going to say that. I'm really, I'm going to say that. You're going to go for that. The bed versus... Because the laptop probably, a lot of it's backed up, right? <sighs> yeah. <laughs> the waver in your voice. Yeah, I think it is. I'm not one. I'm too... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not... I'm really bad at technology. Um, no, we're going to say laptop and or bed. Okay. Two different things. Um, I, it gives me a perfect segue. Okay. beautifully done uh, talk to me about your writing process do you just sit at the laptop or is it pen and paper is it notepads like how do you get mm. the words out so I've, writing is one thing and editing is another thing so when I write I have to be as comfortable as possible so you, so I wrote my first novel in bed because like I lived in like this tiny studio and it was like that there was a room for a bed mm. um, So and it was always really freezing cold so I would just be in bed like laptop like on my like chest like just like writing like really hunched up um and now i've expanded uh, which is nice um so i sit on my sofa um so i have to relax but then when i'm editing i've kind of got to be alert and i've got to be like thinking about things and like so it helps to sit up straight um so i write as comfortable i like write stories as comfortable as possible so that is like usually but i've had to do a separation between like bed and sofa because i get into bed and i'm like should i be doing work and i'm like no oh, yeah. no, no no you don't have to do this anymore no. You, you have a sofa. Go and sit on that. <laughs> you so have a sofa now? Have a, you have a sofa now. Look at you, baller. Exactly. You've got a sofa now. Exactly. Show it off. 
made.com with a discount code. Oh, nice. Yeah, Did it take like 12 things. weeks to get to you? I was a prick. I ordered it. Before I moved house, I ordered all my furniture to my grandparents' house. And I was like, sorry, guys, that's going to be in the living room for the foreseeable and my granddad he, he nearly died honestly it was awful did he yeah he was so angry all the time his mom was like can you have to get something done soon because his blood pressure is rising and i was like nice no, fine it's good for him wait, wait wait how long was it there for uh like two months oh mate that is outrageous yeah, i'm really spoiled and so like everyone just had to like navigate it i fell out with an aunt over it she still does we still don't talk really she was so vexed about it yeah she was like she just like can always take the piss and I was like yeah I do I have that problem though when I go home like I think outside of the family home I'm an upstanding member of the community (laughs) when I get home to my mum and dad's house I'm useless I'm like I revert to being a child I think we all do I think we have to but I think that's just how it that's how it has to be because you know like that inner child it never goes away and then when you're like in that environment you're like yes thank you because we have to be adults all the time so it's yeah. nice to just like have a chance to just be like I can't do it I'm not doing it not doing it not doing it um, it's been an incredible couple of years for you right yeah like a lot has changed uh, Queenie emerged into the world yes she did um, and people love it yeah which is nice not everyone but those are people uh, you say not everyone but I mean like do you know who doesn't do you know who gives me the most stick who? Americans why? Because uh, they're always... Because, I don't know, they, they I think they take it, like, so literally. And so they're just like, Queenie shouldn't do this. Like, Queenie's always having unprotected sex. And it's like, yeah, that, that's the story. That's part, I know, it's not great, but that's part of the story because it's, it's fiction. And they're just like, yeah, but it's, like, irresponsible. And it's like, but it's a story. But we know, and that's why it's... A, that's why I say it's because I've written it as a, in the story. And so I get a lot of Americans telling me off. Wow, that they think you should be some... Your fictional character should have, have some sort of higher moral code. I think so, but I think it's almost like they're just taking it as like... As, as like me being like, this is the way to live. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's She's struggling. That's why it's written like it's that. literally in the fiction section. Yeah, exactly. Not in the manual handbook yeah, section. Yeah, and it's, it's not like my autobiography. Um, and so, yeah, so Americans give me a lot of trouble. But... Loads of great people have said really nice things. So yeah, and it still. made all kinds of best of lists and end yeah. of year lists and stuff. How did that feel for you? It was nice. It's all quite. It's always. It's quite overwhelming because you're just like, do I deserve it? And like, what? Like, someone's gonna, you know, like big imposter syndrome yeah. with it, like all the time. Because obviously, like, when you don't see authors like you navigating the space anyway. Then when you come in, you're kind of like, ah, like all eyes are on me and all eyes have been on me in yeah. a way because like, it's like the first to do this and then like the Black Bridget Jones and like she's, did, she's done this and she's done that. And it's like, it's really amazing to have like contributed to literature in this way. But also when you're kind of like, you know, you're like signposted and heralded as like yeah. the first of. Yeah. Um, that's kind of hard because you're like, I can't really do anything wrong, can I? Yeah. Like, as in like people are watching closely. Yeah, I am. Um... I have a sort of similar emotion watching and I'll, I'll admit to you right away that this is not like coherent like this is just my, my feelings on it is I, I kind of look at your trajectory in the way that you're regarded in a similar way to I have the same emotions around Stormzy mm. in terms of there are times when I want you to just be 100% un, unapologetic mm. and there are other times when I completely understand the pressure to be perfect mm. like there's a little part of me that cheers on Stormzy going wild on the Wiley thing 
but then secretly just wants the Cambridge thing. Yeah. And there's a part of me that sees you online being like, what's wrong with all of you lot? Yeah. Like, telling people how it is. And then there's another part of me that looks at the announcement that you're going to be a Guardian Books columnist. And like, I just want that version of you. And like, it's kind of crazy. It's like a fan to go. It's hard to like, it's really, and then I just, I think also I've never suggested that I'm perfect. Mm. Um, And so it's really... And like I can only be myself and I've always said that. And so like I'm very honest in interviews, I'm very frank and I'm very open and I don't try and hold myself. And I don't, I, I don't think that I'm the voice of a generation. I think I've just written a story. Yeah. Um. And so, but there are also these sides where it's like, I'm a human and so like I can't do everything perfectly and also I can't like be polite all the time. And actually, I'm not, that. I'm I'm a nice person, I would say. <laughs> uh, I would say. Um. But also I don't take shit. I really don't. And I just I ignore a lot of like trolls. I mean, I don't actually get that many. Like maybe I've had like a couple, maybe like two, but I just ignore it because I'm like, I don't care because you're not real. Yeah. But like, I, you know, if I needed to, I'm ready to fight, you know? Yeah. I think there's something interesting in that whole voice of a generation thing. It feels like people, uh, and maybe I'm wrong to say this, but it, it's, it's lazy writing, right? They say voice yeah. of a generation rather than saying, hey, this story encapsulates a moment in time. Yeah. Or this story is very of the moment. Yeah. When you have to just up the hyperbole and be like, voice of a generation, right? Which is like really wild because it's like, how can someone capture... That doesn't even make sense. You know, I, it's lazy. There's yeah. a lot of lazy journalism. Yeah. Lots of great journalism, of course. Yeah. But I think like when you see those strap lines, you're just like, for real? You know? Yeah. Um, you know, like Sally Rooney, I don't think she wanted to be a voice of a generation. No. Um, and I don't think she is and I think she would agree that she's not because yeah. like she's capturing a set of people in a place and a time and like obviously we can find ourselves in those different characters but that doesn't mean that the person is universal in that way you yeah. know yeah and the notion that there is a generational experience is exactly. so wild I know like everyone contains so many different sides to them and facets there's so many identities basically yeah so um, lots happened in a couple of years what's been the most important piece of advice you've ever received um, the most important piece of advice I've received is uh, my friend Daniel was like, you've already done the work. And I was like, oh, right. Because I was like running myself. I was like exhausted doing events. I was like, like at the end of last year, before like when it got, before it got to Christmas, I was like, yeah, I'm going like, to really chill out. I'm going to do loads of stuff for Christmas. I'm going to see loads of friends. And I was sleeping for like 14 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And I went to stay at my mum's and I would just go to sleep at like, 10 and like she'd be like I just left you to sleep for like, hours and I woke up and I'd be like, I'm still tired because I didn't realise that I'd been doing so much and like travelling loads and doing loads of stuff mm. um, and I was like and I still need to keep doing it because you know there's going to be people in the audience who are going to be wanting to hear from me and if there's like one young black girl who wants to write then you know and then Daniel was like yeah but you've already done the work in a way and I was like maybe I have so that was really important advice because I hadn't really realised I guess that I hadn't realised the extent of what I'd been doing yeah um, and how much time I'd spent doing and how much energy I'd put into it. Yeah. We we had an email exchange, I hope you don't mind me saying this, where you, no. you literally, you sort of hinted to that. You said, I'm done for the year. Yeah. Like, there's there's no more I can give. <laughs> Probably in, like, September. <laughs> yeah. But actually, and I, I, remember, I remember reading it and being like, ah. Oh. And then afterwards being like, that should be applauded. The mm. self-awareness to protect your energy mm. is missing in a lot of people. Absolutely. And you see people at their worst and you think, you could have taken yourself out of that situation because I didn't know you were at rock bottom and yeah. now I'm meeting you at rock bottom and I, I'm too late to help. Yeah, exactly. 
And, I think and also you're clearly like struggling. And also like I don't, I'm not my best self when I'm like exhausted because like you don't even know what's going on. Like I was just getting so much stuff wrong. Like I was like getting to meetings at like different days and like, I was just like, what? Because like, my brain was just like going everywhere. Mm. Um, and so I had to be like, no, no, no. Like you have to stop now. I think it was actually in like November, December, but I was just like, I can't do this. Yeah. I can't do anything. Yeah. Uh, so the paperback version of the book is now out. How does that feel? How does it feel, that difference between the hardback version? Does it feel like a, a different baby? You know what? Same baby? Nah, it's, 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 the same, it's the same baby, but there's less pressure with this baby because I'm like, well, the hardback already came out. I did what I was going to do. So, like, this is really nice. Because, obviously, when your first novel comes out in, like, first format, you're like, is it going to do this? Is it going to make this 100 times bestseller list? Like, is it going to get good reviews? Like, people going to be nice about it? People going to put it on Instagram? And, like, amazingly, all of that stuff happened, um, which I'm still sort of, like... Um, and so now with the paperback it's like yeah people buy it that's nice like nice to have like people you know it's easy to carry (laughs) it's cheaper Um, but yeah in terms of like the stuff I wanted to achieve I think I I think I've done that Um, but it's just nice to it's nice to have, for it to have like another sort of like burst of energy. Yeah. And also there are going to be chew buds this time. So I'm going to be on the chew and I'll be like, ha ha, yeah. there she is. That's nice. Um, who would you say has been the most important person to you? Uh, we have the caveat, of course, that you can't choose a family member. Okay, that's hard. Well, I mean, my family don't, none of my family have read the book, by the way. What? They don't care. They just don't. They're just like, Okay. Cool. Do you think the paperback will help? No. <laughs> it was just the hardback. It was the format that was the problem. No, they're just like, mm-hmm. okay, well, good luck with it. All well done. Um, wait, wait, wait. We got to talk about that. No one's read it. No, no one's read it. Like my brother was like, yeah, I've started it, and then my sister was like, yeah, I've started it, and my mum was like, you know, I'm not a reading person. Can, and my nan was like, well done. I've got it on the shelf, and like that's it, really. But that's fine, because it's... Would I want them to read it? No, probably not, because it's like... Maybe the maybe the older generation, but like... Oh, well, the sisters would be aunt, like... Two of my aunts have read yeah. it. okay. And one of my aunt... One of my aunts, my cousin was talking to me about it, and she was like, my mum walked in the room when I was in bed, was holding Queenie, looked at me and said, anal sex. <laughs> and then walked out, and I was like, shit. Auntie Susie's really annoyed. And then my other aunt, her sister, Aunt Doreen, she called me up and she was like, well, can you know, I think it's really great. And you know, like, I went through all of this stuff when I was your age. So, you know, don't think you're doing anything special there. And I was like, yeah, right, fair enough. Because I was like really scared that they were going to really prim and proper and yeah. be like, well, how did you do this? But they were just like, yeah, we've already been there, mate. Um, so, yeah, but apart from that, like that is the kind of response. That's why I'm able to say so humble because everyone around me is just like, yeah, well done, I guess. My nan calls it my little project. <laughs> so yeah makes it sound like you're a weed dealer so I, I mean maybe she'd prefer if I was the little project yeah little project <laughs> little side project my um my my mum is is without doubt my biggest fan, so we'll absolutely like listen to everything see if they, um which is uh, glorious and actually i don't uh, i think I didn't realize that was unusual yeah. to some extent, but like yes, she's so invested is. in it um but she started giving notes right. You got to take the notes. You do have to take the notes, but they it feels harder coming from her. Um, I did an interview uh, a few weeks back uh, with with like some actors, uh, and my mum called me. And she said, "What was wrong with your breathing?" Oof. Oh, honestly, what I was, was wrong with your breathing? I, we just like, I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know. And it was, like, it was like a mic. hand. It was like a handheld mic, so it wasn't even like in my face. And she was That's like, really "Your weird. your breathing was erratic. Oh my god! You gosh. need to think about how you're breathing." Okay, and, and so are you thinking about it now? I mean, that's all I've thought about for okay, about three well, weeks. So just a general go. conversation. Well, she was right. But I don't know whether she's right. She just made it weird. Well, she's now you're never, your breathing's never going to lag again. Thank you to your mum. What if I pass out halfway through this because I'm breathing strangely now because I'm thinking about it? It's what it is. At least it doesn't sound weird on the mic. Anyway, we've dodged <laughs> it. Most important person okay, to you. Okay, most important person to me is... Do they have to be... Can they be dead or alive? Anything. Um, that's so morbid. Um, but no, my old best friend, Dan to whom the book is dedicated dedicated to two people Dan, two of my friends Dan and Anton who passed away before it came out um, but Dan back in the day I used to have really bad anxiety like it was a, it was a joke um, and my friend Dan used to talk to me about it and he'd be like okay one of his suggestions was why don't you try writing like a diary but not through yourself like through like a, a character who's going through all this stuff because then you can release it from yourself but also you have distance from it so you're not like obsessed with like getting you know putting this stuff to bed about you and not overthinking about like how it's coming across and I couldn't really write at that time just because my head wasn't there but then when it came to writing Queenie I was like okay well what's going on in life like what's going on in society like what do you want to say and I was never going to write non-fiction just because that requires research and I am not that person uh and I don't have six years so I was like write fiction and write through someone who is like you but isn't you and write about the things that are happening in a year in this girl's life um and so that was why i kind of i guess had queenie as a vehicle um and so dan is that person yeah he was wicked okay the uh the next one i'd like to talk about is uh what's your most important decision you've ever made that's a good question oh uh, most important decision I've ever made. Um, God, I don't think I've ever been at like a crossroads and been like, what should I do? Um, okay, most important decision I think was, what is it? I think, I guess, applying to go on the writer's retreat where I then went to do Queenie. Where I went to write Queenie because I wasn't going to do it because I was like oh, I'm not going to apply because I already work in publishing so I'm really not going to get on there because I'll be like nah she's got like privilege and access to it but I did apply and I said like hey I do have this privilege and that I do work in the industry but also I don't have the space to write I don't have the money to go on holiday or to hire mm. somewhere and I can't write in my house um, and yeah so I wasn't going to do it but then I, I, I did thank goodness and I always wonder like would I have written the book without that space and time and I mean maybe but also maybe not you know mm. because it really helped to leave London mm. for like the first time in years and just be surrounded by like nature yeah. and like grass and trees um, in a way and like for miles and yeah. I like, wasn't able to just like go to the shops or like do something I had to just sit and write you know I had like the internet and, I had, and there's like sky so I could watch MTV Bass um, <laughs> which is what I mean I literally spend all my time in my house watching music videos anyway um, and so yeah so I had like basically the comforts of home but I was just like no you're here for a reason yeah and so it meant that I could like start so that's the most important decision applying to writer's retreat yeah and what do you have any sense of what prompted that like you had the reasons not to do it and you had the arguments why it was okay to do it what was the bit that actually finally made you go you know what mm. I'm gonna do it I should apply 
I think it was, I mean, it was working in publishing and being like, oh, you're still not seeing any books like about people like you. And also, you're, you know, these books, they're not even coming through. They're not even, they're not anywhere. You're not working on them. You're not reading them. They're not like about to be acquired. Like, you know, they're just not here. Um, and also, you know, some of the reasons around that were that loads of publishing houses were like, oh, we don't know how we'd market that sort of book. Or like, is there any audience for it? And I was like, let me prove them wrong. Yeah. Because I am... Um, I'm not am I I think I've had to realise that I am a hate to say I told you so person because I am and I will do that I love it I literally love saying I told you so nothing brings me more joy I mean clearly I the I mean it's been pointed out to me that I do it quite often and I hadn't realised so maybe I also love it as well I think there's a joy to it but I say it in a nice way I'm yeah. like didn't I say didn't we say didn't we suggest didn't I do that for you because now you've done it well done always, there's a um, there's a Tracy Jordan line in 30 Rock mm. that every time I think about it it brings joy to my heart where he's in that sequence and he says um, I don't want to say I told you so and there's a pause and he says welcome to Miami <laughs> and just leaves the room <laughs> and I basically all I want to do in life is shout welcome to Miami <laughs> you should have done that when you met me in the in the lobby I wish I would have known what you meant it's just so amazing when he does it I was just like it's just so complete everywhere um, the last of the big questions and okay. then there are some small questions I like small questions what do you think is your most important mistake hmm. my most important mistake so what if I'm trying to think if I've like okay so I guess I don't know can I like rephrase it with like your most important learning yeah um, because I did an event once and a girl came up to me and she looked really sad and I was like oh you okay and she was like no and I was like okay what's wrong and she was like I've just finished your book and it really hurt me and I was like oh, I'm really sorry and she was basically like it's so traumatic and I think I hadn't understood that just because I can write those things very easily, those scenes of like, you know, like aggressive sex mm. and, you know, like, you know, like microaggressions that are really painful and really relatable because I could write them so easily. I don't think I'd realise that people are really, sen people rightly are really sensitive to those things and, and take them badly and they're affecting. Mm. Um, and I felt really bad. And so I think I had to, I mean, it's a learning that not everyone, um, can accept and read those things easily um, and that you should write you know those things have to be done with caution mm. um, and also with sensitivity and with regard for your reader Yeah. whereas I think I was just like well everyone can handle this you know like yeah. if I can write it then of course they can read it Yeah. Um, and so I think I've had to learn and understand that you know that that is hard that it's hard for some people to read that yeah no that's fascinating okay so we're going to get into the quick fire ones I understand this is hard Okay. I understand this is hard. So what I'm asking for you to do mm -hmm. is just go quickly. Okay. Don't hesitate. Okay. Just go quickly. Okay. Most important song of all time. I will by John Holt. Oh, big tune. It's biggest tune. Uh, most important TV show. Spaced. Most important film. The Matrix. That was a face. Oh, not back in that. Uh, but it's not about me. Um, <laughs> most important book. Oh, that's hard. Um, Angus Songs and Full Frontal Snogging by Louise Renison. And most important writer. Tony Morrison. Thank you so much for your time.
Thank you. I've loved having you on. It's been super special. Been um, so there's so many amazing things happening for you. Um, I, I'm going to ask, and you'll probably say, don't be daft, you can't ask this question. Um, you're in the middle of writing a second novel? Yes, and also adapting Queenie for the screen, small screen, which, TV screen. Which is taking up most of your time? Uh, the TV. Yeah? yeah? New skill, right? New skill. And also novel writing is like light work. It's just nice. <laughs> just, I just want to be. Do you know? What? I just want to be left alone to yeah. do it. But TV writing, you are talking to people all the time who are like, and where should we put? Oh, yeah, it's all of that. I just want to just be by myself and just write. That's how it all began. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, but that's unbelievably exciting. I think the the TV adaption is going to be important. Thank you. The second novel, I cannot wait. As soon as you are ready, let us know. There'll be a pre-order on Amazon. Yay. Get it done. Will do. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot to everyone that's been rating and reviewing the podcast. Um, I really appreciate it. It's kind of immense and incredible, the feedback we've been getting via Instagram and the ratings and the reviews and all that. Um, And it's super helpful. It helps me understand what you guys like. It helps me understand who we should be booking. So uh, guest suggestions are always, always super, super welcome. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Make sure you're following along with the podcast to get new episodes as they emerge into the world.